What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you are at your place for the unfiltered experience, the place where we come here to expand your mind, increase your confidence, your awareness about what it is that you possibly can do in your life and to make the world a better place. I am Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and I am joined by my beautiful co-host, my brother from another mother. That's me, Chris. That is Scott Goyette, and it's a Scott pleasure Goyette. to see you tonight. What's up? It's great to see you too, brother. How's, how's your night going? You have any have any problems tonight? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two two seconds ago, my computer was doing strange things and my all my internet browsers disappeared. Of course, yeah. right? So yeah. hey, it's it's what is it, Mercury retrograde, the planet's spinning out of control, energy, you know, it's all about communications. Your internet, anything to do with technical is supposed to be a mess, but your intuition is supposed to be at its peak during times like this. So trust here and mm -hmm. say I'm sorry to your computer and hopefully it functions. That's what I did. I said I believe in source. But this computer, I apologize for everything I've done wrong. Just fix yourself. <laughs> I was actually surprised you're here as soon as you are, because I was like, if his thing, his thing is spinning, I'm like, he's going to be here in about 10 minutes. So the, so so the, the joke, like I'm joking with you, but I'm serious. I literally went, this is, I'm not kidding. This is exactly what I did. I said, and I'm like, I understand that everything technologically is not working. Can you please work? And then I just dialed in the source and then I hit the button again and it worked. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. So all the stuff that we're preaching and we're saying, I'm actually practicing it. And here we are. So here we are. It's great to be here with a Friday night with you, man. Yeah. I can't even believe that it's already Friday. It's like the weeks are just fucking flying by. My wife was telling me that earlier. She's like, it seems like the weeks are going by slow. And I'm like, what fucking planet are you living on? And like, it's almost like it's going to be October. I mean, we're already decorating for mm -hmm. Halloween. It's like insane. I'm with you. I'm with you. I like every time I like sneeze, I I look up and it's in a different week. I'm like, how's it October? How's it November? How's it? It's crazy. It's unreal. Man, you must sneeze a lot. <laughs> I just keep sneezing. Dude, that's all I do. I didn't tell that's you. All that. you do is sneeze. I, yeah, I just sneeze. Yeah. I, like yeah. when I'm not here, I'm just sneezing. Yeah. That's all no, I that's do. Good. That's good. Yeah. Just don't spray it on other people. No, no. That's what I'm trying that. to teach Jackson. I'm like, dude, cover your face when you sneeze. Like, I don't need your shit. I love you to death, but I don't need your shit. We've already got Lee in the house. What's up, Lee? I think we just talked to him last week. What's up? He says, good evening, my friends. We got Robert Broker in the house. He goes, that's for damn sure, Scott. I just did uh, and I just did offer Google some thought out loud. Would come in handy once the sentence, once the sentience was achieved. I don't know. I'm not sure what that was. Uh, but appreciate you being here, Robert. Appreciate that. And uh, tonight we got a special show for you tonight. It's just me and Scott. Just me and Scott oh, yeah. talking. And, uh, and we're going to turn the tables on one another. And actually, we're going to have a little fun because you guys get to see us interview other people all the time. Or sometimes we have solo shows and we talk about a specific pro uh, specific product, a specific topic. But tonight, we're actually going to have uh, Scott is going to lead an interview process and kind of guide me through letting you guys know more about Christopher Rausch. And uh, I'm kind of excited about this. I'm a little scared about it, but uh, we're just going to have a good time just having a great conversation tonight. So if you have any questions for me. Um, by all means, you know, feel free to ask them. And uh, we're just gonna have a great time tonight just uh, having an intimate conversation about how we can get to know one another and what we can all do to expand our horizons. Uh, Scott, I got to tell you, I've spent uh, the last better part of two weeks really focusing on writing this book and getting this book done. It's just you and me, kid, the story of me and my mom and our, and our, and our journey. And man, I got to tell you, it's a fucking pain in the ass to go back and revisit your entire childhood and your, your whole entire life. Like I'm at a point now where I've written the book, I've got 156,000 words. I'm gonna call it down. But today I was going through and just, I went through and probably in the last couple of days, two, by about three different chapters. And each chapter is a, is a place where we lived at. 
And through that process, like just kind of seeing all the stuff that I put up with and all the stuff that I allowed to happen and everything else and how I endured through that, it's, 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 it's no wonder that I'm still here and I'm half as fucking sane as I am. So I'm excited for this book to come out, but at the same time, I am so ready for it to be done. Cause I'm tired of telling people that I'm writing it and everything else. So it's been pretty crazy, but, uh, how's your week been, man? Um, good. Be good. I mean, like, honestly, um, one of the things that I just keep telling everybody that I talk to is I'm listening. A lot of people say the same thing. They're saying the world's insane. I'm having all these difficulties. Everything's falling apart. And I ask them, I say, well, well, what are you experiencing specifically? And they're like, I just feel like I can see all this stuff and everything's a mess and I can't do anything about it. And so I said, hold that thought right there. And what I've been telling everyone is imagine this. Imagine if you are at summer camp and everyone's sleeping over and you're all supposed to wake up and go do some fun event. No one wakes up at exactly the same time. Someone wakes up, next person wakes up. There's always those people who wake up last, who are dragging, whatever. So think of it this way. You're the first to wake up. So as everyone else is waking up groggy going, I don't want to go and whatever, be blessed that at least you're awake. Because I yeah. see so many people, they're just freaking out and they're saying how stressed out they are me included you know I'm, I'm trying to sit here and coach and support and, and help people and in this awakening process if you have some clarity and everybody else just seems <clears throat> to be losing their crap do yourself a favor and do everybody else a favor just keep being the light and lead by example because that's needed more than ever and that's what mm -hmm. i just keep reminding myself i know you do the same because yep. i could sit here and, and for hours tell you all the crap that's going on but that's just going to keep hyper-focusing on the crap and that will continue yep. instead of just telling you the amazing things that I've been doing. So that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to share with you. Chris, hey man, I I'm love doing that. amazing things. <laughs> yep. Yep. We got John in the house. Jock. Hey, he says, Hey guys, what's going on? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all really about the intentionality of where you focus on and that's what, what you're, that's what you're going to get out of it. And even though for me, like the last couple of weeks or even the last month have been challenging for me mentally, physically, and spiritually, at the same time, I'm focusing on the gratitude of getting this experience to go through this. You and I have talked about this, that we're kind of fucked up in like the fact that we enjoy those downtimes and those challenging times because they know that we're made stronger to go through those times. And then once we get through those times, we can help other people go through those. So yeah, I mean, it's all part of the process and all part of the journey, the hero's journey, as we've talked about so many times here on the show, uh, the Joseph Campbell story. So yeah, I mean, although we don't like to go through it and, you know, honestly, I just, I feel so much weight and heaviness. I was actually just telling Jock this earlier on the text message. Like I feel so much weight and heaviness about what everything is going on in the world. You know, if you take a second and, and I don't watch the news, but I'll flip through the headlines sometimes sure. just to kind of see what's going on. And it's insane, everything that's going on around the world. So more important than ever is for all of us to step up and shine our light and to bring the strength and the, the resiliency that we all have to help other people who are struggling, who don't have the skills that you and I have. Thousand percent. And that's where I want to start with you is, uh, you know, you perfectly just segued it. And of course, we don't practice this stuff because we don't, but you just set everything up. One of the things that that I love uh, about both of us and I really love about you, especially when you tell your story, it's going to come out with a book and a lot of people have heard different tidbits of it. When you're looking for somebody to be a coach or a speaker, one of the most important things, especially now, as I was explaining, talking about if the world is awakening, you want somebody who's already seeing some clarity and able to say, here's how I got through it. And a lot of that is just demonstration. So a lot of people want to go to somebody who's coached, who has some certification or went to Joe Blow's, you know, five figure training program or whatever. And, and here's what I think. I think people more than ever need to see some transparency and some authenticity and align to something that feels good to them because 
imagine you're just waking up in any scenario and there's somebody there that feels trustworthy and just puts their hand out and says, you can get up too. You can wake up too. And that's what I want to talk about today because I want to share something with, with everybody here that, that I remember. And I really enjoyed hearing this when you and I were doing some group coaching. One of our clients, um, and I can say her first name because nobody knows, Danielle, I thought it was so beautiful. We we're asking, you know, because we, we did all our whole a pouring of love onto everybody else. We poured all our love on them and told them how beautiful they were in their transition and how wonderful it was to see them grow, which is 100% the reality. And one of the beautiful things she said, she goes, I see you as my mentor, Chris. Mm-hmm. And that was a really kind, true, authentic, very transparent, vulnerable, vulnerable thing for her to say. And that's what I want to talk about today, because the fact that, you know, you went through all these struggles, people see you as a mirror if they really take the time to invest in themselves by investing in you, whether it's through a coach, whether it's, you know, as a motivational speaker, those people who have been through struggles, when you see, share your stories, they're able to sit and go, if he can do it, so can I. And I think more people need to rise to the top and be those people. So one of the things I want to see more of is see you out there on stages, able to share those stories, inspire others, so we can start waking up the universe one person at a time. So my first question to you is, what is, and I've heard a ton of them, so if you can say the same one or say more, (laughs) but what is one of the most important stories to you that has given you the resilience that you have. And you've told me a ton. So if you want to share one of the same ones, that's fine. But I want to hear one of the stories that's given you resilience that other people hear. And in hearing that, you can literally see that mirroring effect immediately. And they say, I can do it too. Mm. Well, Scott, that's a great question. Actually sitting here writing this book, I've been through so many different experiences that it, 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 it takes the forethought to sit there and list them all out really chapter by chapter to realize how much we've all been through. Um, and again, to your point, we're all more the same than we are different. I'm nobody special. I'm just somebody who has decided to persevere through those challenging situations. So I'd have to say, you know, being a seventh grade homeless dropout, you know, that day coming home from, from high school, from junior high school, I was already getting into trouble. I was doing drugs. I was 13 years old. I was going through puberty. Um, my, 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 my wife or my, my, my wife's, my mom's husband had left. My sister had left. Everybody had left. It was just me and my mom. And, um, I was really troubled. I was really sad and despondent because everybody had left and I had all these different issues of abandonment. I never knew my biological dad. And then all of a sudden she tells me, Hey, we're going to lose the house. And I'm like, what do you mean we're going to lose the house? She's like, well, we're being evicted. And I said, why? And she goes, well, I tried to save Bunny Rabbit and I spent all the money for rent. And now we have to be evicted. I'm like, well, isn't there some other place we can go? And she goes, well, there is, but you know, I'm not willing to give up the cats and the dogs. And so those four years of being on the streets and, the, and all the different things that I just had to recount in this book, the resiliency that I had to have to, to wake up every single day with the hope and the faith and the belief that we were going to get through it and something was going to change kept me going but it was all wasn't until the point where i had to hit my breaking point where i had to start recognizing the patterns of what she was putting me through to be able to ultimately say i'm done and we all know that there's this bottom everybody knows somebody hit the rock bottom we always we hear this the statement rock bottom there's the rock bottom and then there's the bottom and for each and every one of us we have to decide for ourselves what that bottom is and how how low we're willing to go so for me being on the streets and everything else and trying to kill myself twice uh, fortunately i sucked at it 
to ultimately have that gun put to my head. I came back from the motel. I came back to the motel one day, going to the liquor store, buying a pack of cigarettes. And I walked in the motel, the backside. And this black guy walks up to me and goes, Hey man, you want to buy a carton of reds for five bucks? And I'm like, yo, no dude. I said, I don't smoke reds. I said, sorry. I said, if there was something else I would. And he steps in front of me and he's like, no dude. He goes, I think it's because of the color of my skin. You don't want to buy my cigarettes. And I said, dude, I don't fucking care what color your skin is. I grew up in Inglewood. I said, half my friends are black or Mexican. I said, you're, you're holding the wrong cigarettes. I said, I smoke cools. And I went to reach in my back pocket to pull out a pack of cools. And as soon as I went to reach, he thought I was going to pull out a gun or a knife or something like that and puts the gun to my head. And I remember that. And I was like, if you're going to pull the fucking trigger, pull the fucking trigger. And fortunately, my friend Will came out. He's like, no, no, no. Him and his moms are cool. Him and his moms are cool. From that experience, I decided at that point, and I had to look back on all the different situations that happened through me, Scott. And I had to realize that if it's going to change, it's not up to anybody else but myself. It's either I'm going to get out of here in a pine box. I'm going to get out of here in the back of a fucking squad car because I was doing stupid shit. Or I'm going to have to stand up and make the hardest decision I ever possibly had to make in my life to choose me over her. And it's crazy as I'm writing this book, how many times I chose her over me. And progressively, as I'm, as I'm going through this book, you're starting to see how I evolve and how I start to recognize the patterns and that my desire for her attention and her affection and her validation were causing me to literally lose my mind. Like there's so many times in the book where I'm like, I'm literally about to lose my shit right now. So it wasn't until the point where I decided that I had to put my value, my faith, my health, my sanity and everything else in front of all of that stuff in order to rise above, to be able to become the better person, to be able to help her even better because codependency, as we know, are two failing people trying to help support one another for us to both rise. For me, ultimately, it was about getting through that point and sitting there saying, okay, I have to become stronger so that you can become stronger. And that moment when I decided to leave the motel and when I decided to go on to myself, the immediate thing that happened was she had to become stronger. And then when I decided that I wasn't ever going to go back to the motel again and help her with the cats and everything, she had to become stronger. And then when I started doing these things, she had to, she had to, she had to. So I had to start placing leverage in her life for her to become stronger because otherwise, as long as she had somebody there to do it for, she wasn't going to get stronger. And so I think the message tonight for people listening to this, the most important aspect is you can love somebody to death and want to do everything in your possible power to save them. But ultimately it might be the hardest decision of your life that will help them save them the most. There's, there's so much to that whole, like that tough love concept. You know, one of the things you and I always talk about, and I'm hearing a lot of it in the, you know, what you just explained <clears throat> is trying to figure out how to accept yourself and others where you're at in the journey and what you're willing to tolerate. And, and listen, I mean, we have these conversations every week where, you know, we have opinions, we have belief systems, we have, I don't want to say attachment because I think we're better than many at observing and not attaching, but it's very easy to get attached to belief systems and not accept people where they're at in the journey. Cause you're like that person's an idiot. What's wrong with that person? <laughs> and it's, it's this simple. That person's at a different space in the journey and they might want to, they might've gone down a different path. So I've heard a lot of people over time, including me sometimes say, Hey, Chris, you know, you, you've, you've got to pick a position or you're then being complicit and you're supporting that which is deemed evil or problematic or whatever. Talk about what you can do. And this is really important, I think, is, is something if, if somebody's going to be hiring for a speech or somebody's hiring a coach, there's a lot of different belief systems on how do we change the world? Do we take a polar position? Do we sit in the middle and say, look at both sides? How can you accept yourself where you're at in the journey be a strong person who can be the light and simultaneously accept others where they're at in the journey while trying to lead them to the light 
because Oof. none of us have this perfected, dude. We can sit here and look mm -hmm. at all the people we love and we're all trying to do it as best we can. How do we do that? Because I think everyone wants this answer, including me. Give me a great answer. <laughs> I will give you a great answer. I can say that probably one of the greatest lessons I've learned in my life, Scott, is from Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Amen. And from that, my mom always wanted to be understood. She always had to be in power. She always had to be in control. She always had to be the loudest person. She always had to be right. And as I started in my adult journey and trying to really recognize what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to be successful? I started thinking about like the fact that what she was doing was not successful. She was getting fired from every job that she had. Everybody in her life was abandoning her except for me. And then when I learned that, 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 that important facet of life, like seek first to understand that allowed me to put myself in other people's shoes rather than so many times, like thinking we have to defend our spot. You know, we have to stand our ground. We have to be, you know, right. And everything else, because when you think about the validation that we seek when we're kids, if we're right, then everything's good. Scotty did good. Scotty got an A. He gets to do what he wants to do. Scotty did bad. Oh, what did I do? Okay. What do I need to do not to do bad? Because I don't want to feel this feeling anymore. I don't want to feel rejected. I want to feel excluded. So we spend our entire lives trying to be right. We try to do everything that we can do to seek the validation and the approval and the significance from everybody else. Ultimately, when we stop and we sit there and say, hey, what is Scott going through? What is, Ch what is Chad going through? What is mom going through? And it wasn't until I was able to sit there and think because I had so much anger and resentment towards my mom. And you can see it in the book. And there comes a point where I sat there and had to say, why does she keep telling me she's four years old? What happened when she, I stopped and I stopped making it about me what happened when she was four years old? How can I get inside of her mind when she was four years old? How can I see things from her perspective? How can I seek to understand rather than be understood? Because as un being understood, I'm like a kid. I'm your fucking kid. You should be taking care of me. You shouldn't be taking care of all these cats and these dogs. You shouldn't be worried about all those other things. You should be worried about me making sure I'm safe and I'm fed and I'm back in school. For me to sit there and say that, I'm like, okay, what happened when she was four years old? Her parents divorced her, her, her father went and lived his life and was all perfect and everything else. And she went to live with her crazy ass mother who abused her physically, mentally, and spiritually, um, who like drove her away from all of her friends. She didn't have a social life. And so once she was able to get away and have a social life, she went batshit crazy. Like the things that you hold people away from, they tend to go run towards to figure out what it is. So I think for me in my journey is the fact that when we can sit there and try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and say, Hey, listen, what did that person go through? Who did they grow up with? What kind of values were instilled in their family? I was just watching a documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer. We all know Jeffrey Dahmer. He fucking cut people up and ate them. Like, oh, sick. That's stupid. I don't know. Fucking guy should die. Da, da, da. What did he go through as a kid? Why did he become the person that he became? You sit there and watch his backstory and you see what he did, what his parents did, and all the different steps that led up to who he was and his psychological situations. You have empathy for him. You have actual empathy. You feel sorry for Jeffrey Dahmer where most people would not have that capacity to have that empathy. So I think when we sit there and we go from that aspect to say, listen, let me understand where you're coming from. And then from that point, maybe I'm not going to agree with you, but how can we find from both of us, how can we stop the you're right and I'm wrong? And how can we meet in the middle and say, okay, what is the right thing for the overall greater good of the situation at hand? Whether it's a work situation, a personal situation, a global situation, a local situation, how can we sit there and put aside our preferences and our desires to be right to make things better for the greater good? And I think that's my message is like to sit there and tell people like, stop with all the finger pointing, stop with the blaming, stop with the, you should, he said, all this other bullshit. Here we are today, whatever today is, 
and let's decide what it is that we can do. We can start taking proactive steps to get out of our comfort zone and to try to meet in the middle to make things better for the greater good of all, all people. That's that's my thoughts. So the brilliant word without a question, and you know this as well as I do right there is today, it's the present moment. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the brilliant moment, the brilliance with everything because triggers um, certain behaviors, reactions, what we call our identity, it's just who I'm supposed to be. That all comes from the past. If we were just to snap and wake up in this moment and be like, what am I supposed to do here? We would frame everything from today forward. So <clears throat> why don't we have the capacity to do that? And the capacity to do that is based on memory. And so with our memory, we've started to say, well, this person was bad. That part, like you said, we've got a million labels. So one of the things I would love to talk to you about too, because this is something that every time I think I've done it, something surfaces again is forgiving self and others. And so forgiving yourself for, you know, should I have done something different? Should I have not tolerated that earlier? Should I have just left? Should I have worried about myself? Should have, should have, could have, would have, again, all in the past. The second, second we make that separation is say, I did the best I could in that moment and I forgive myself. The freedom from that is intense. So I want to talk about that. And then the second piece, especially with your mom, but, but with everybody, you know, any, anybody, you know, even if it's the littlest thing, like, Talk about the importance of forgiveness and taking away that connection to something that you're saying, well, that person's this, that person's that, I hate them. All that energy energy that's just wasted, the second we come to the present moment, the gift, that's where all the magic happens. What suggestions would you have? Because you got to do a lot of forgiving between self and others. Talk about that. Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah. I had to forgive my ex-wife and my ex-best friend for their situations that had going on. Yeah. I've been betrayed and backstabbed and um, all sorts of different things all throughout my life. And I think it's important. What you said, Scott, is the fact that when we can have empathy and forgiveness, especially for ourselves. And I think the most important aspect that I can answer that question is to say, is life happening for me or to me? And so oftentimes we sit there and come from a perspective that life is happening to me. Why is this happening? Keep happening to me. When am I going to catch a break and everything else? Why can't we realize and recognize that life is happening for us and the fact that everything that has happened before and is happening now is preparing us for what's next. So we're building the skills, we're building the strength, we're building the perspectives, we're building the opportunity to see things differently so that whatever is next, we can capture that flag, we can capture that sail and be able to ride that versus sitting there in complacency and mediocrity and misery based on going everything looking at what's past. Like everything that's past is all electrical energy in our brain. So when we can sit there and we can change our perspective and say, hey, listen, how can I have empathy and forgiveness for myself? Literally in this book, I'm like, I keep writing. I don't understand how I allowed this to continue to happen. But I know in my mind, that because of the finish of the book, is the fact that everything that happened through that entire journey led me to be the person that I am today. So I am actually grateful for every single fucking miserable thing that I'm writing in this book because everything taught me, hey, how can you look at this differently? Hey, what's going on here? Hey. How can you sit there and shift this? Hey, how can you not be a victim instead of be a victor? Hi, how can you how can you use this story to help other people? That was constantly my journey throughout this entire process. It's like, okay, once I get through this, then I'll be able to help other people. And so I think it's important for all of us to sit there and shift and go sit there and say, what am I gaining out of this situation? What am I being able to use from this particular experience that will enable me to become stronger and help other people moving forward? Because I think we're all here on this earth, Scott, to help one another, to help us other, help each other walk ourselves home. Like as you say, and as uh, Lee says, we're here to walk each other home. And so I think it's important for us to have empathy and forgiveness for ourselves in our journey 
And to recognize that half the time we're doing the best we can in those particular moments with what we have. And hindsight's always 2020, but the fact that if we choose to continue to get stronger each and every day, that we're enabling ourselves to be able to be a part of the solution and not be a part of the problem. And then ultimately be able to create a legacy that we'll be proud of. So for me, honestly, every single day when I lay my head on my pillow, and this is no joke, I look back on my day and I'm like, did I make a positive impact in the world? And most days I can say, yeah, some days I'm like, eh, it's kind of lazy today. Yeah, I wasn't feeling very good. But most days I can sit there and say, I'm pretty proud of the things that I did today, the things I said today, um, the person I was today. Be you just broke up for a sec. I don't know if that's on just your end or my end. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Were you still here. talking? I don't because I couldn't hear you. I don't know oh. if it was my end that froze or your end. I don't know. Something something froze. There's too oh, much energy, man. There's too there, much energy. No, there, there really is. I'm telling you. Hey, this thing started. <laughs> that's the good thing. Yeah. So um, so here's something I, I, I want to go through. So one of the things that you bring up, and I always I, I, I always ponder this, is we're very experiential learners and I think it's by design. I think uh, leaders are, are super experiential. And I mean, I'll tell you a story that just literally explains my entire life is I was a year old and my mom, like, yeah, I could probably barely understand whatever was going on, but literally barely over a year old. And she says, don't put your hand on the stove. So what did I do? I put my hand on the stove and she's screaming at me and I'm just feeling my thumb burn. I have no thumbprint. I don't know if I ever told you that. You can see the whole side of my thumb. It actually burnt the thumb. thumb off. Seriously. Oh, yeah. And, and, and and I literally, from that day on, she's like, you were always getting hurt, getting stitches. Usually people learn and they go, okay, don't put your finger on the stove. Um, don't climb on the high thing, you'll fall. And I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And I'm the kid who, if you say, don't do that, you'll probably get hurt. I'm like, how hurt? <laughs> and then I do it. And, 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 and I think that's by design. So assuming, you know, from talking to you too, I think a lot of the things that we do we do that so that we can extend our ability to be a better teacher, a better trainer, um, a better leader. How, and, and this is, I'm trying to figure out the exact way to say this because I think one of the things I think we both want is we'll take the pain so you don't have to, you know what I mean? So like, you're not <laughs> in our speech. like hey, do, do as I say, not as I do or did is what I'm saying. Not as I do, I do, I do it different now. Do as I say, not as I did. Yeah. Because there's so many people out here, if we're walking in them home and we're leading, it's almost kind of like if we're walking through the brush and we get bit by a snake, we throw the snake out of the way so the next person doesn't have to. Don't run in the woods and get bitten by the snake. What can you tell people who are also experiential learners or are people who tend to you know, not listen? What can you tell people or how can you coach people or how can you speak from stage to encourage maybe learn from some of these lessons so you don't need the snake bite you don't need to fall down you don't need to melt your thumb just to prove a point and say i have no thumbprint don't try this at home <laughs> what, what do we say to those people because i know you and i both want to be that person who would be the one that took the punch so the next person didn't have to what can we tell those people because i want this answer too because <laughs> i don't want people to suffer I, I would gladly be the one that suffers so you don't have to yeah i think what you're talking about scott and it's a perfect question ego like when we get our ego out of the way, we get our, our need to be right or wrong or to have to sit there and say that I've, I've, I've bit that bullet. I think that's one of the greatest things that we can do because so many times we sit there and say, we don't want to take that advice. Like I'm watching my son right now, Scott or, or Jackson, don't do that. And he's looking at me like, no. And I'm having to sit there and go, okay, is that an egoic thing? 
Or is that something that he just has to experience for his himself? So I think on both sides of the situation, we have to sit there and say, okay, from my side, wanting to teach people not to go through those experiences, sometimes I may have to sit there and step back and go, just because I'm right, just because I've gone through those experiences doesn't mean I can't allow you to go through those experiences as well, because that's how I learned. And sometimes we're experiential learners, like you just said so, so, so eloquently. I think it's important for us also, you know, as we're going through those journeys and I'm, I'm huge on this, you know, I have so many different mentors that I sit there and I look to and I talk to them like, so what do I do to avoid this particular situation? And I think it's important for us to put our ego aside and actually really fucking listen and go, okay, what is this person saying? And what can I take from this so that I don't have to be that stubborn? I don't have to be that person that says, oh no, I have to go through that because I think there's so many of us out there. But for me personally, I'm like, okay, what can I do to avoid having to go through those pitfalls? What can I do to personally maybe avoid six of the 10 different things I'm gonna have to go through in my life to be able to learn from something and learn from somebody else because that's why we're here. We're Again, we're walking each other home. And I think that's so important for the fact that when we can take advice from other people and expedite that journey, then we become stronger that much faster and then we're able to help so many other people in the same process. But I think so many people are stubborn and they're egoic. They're saying, oh no, I got it and everything else. It's like, shut up. You don't know what's going on. Listen to somebody else that's gone through it before. I mean, honestly, before I was ever even a parent, I constantly interviewed people who were parents and I'm like, so talk to me about being a parent. Talk to me about the pitfalls of, of some of the things that you regret as a parent. I never knew I was going to become a parent, but I was always putting my eyes out there. And now as a result, I've become a better parent because of all those different things that I remember that I don't have to go through and make those same mistakes as ever other people did. I like it. Look at it. Uh, we, uh, Lee's got a comment. I'm trying to read it. Can you see it? Or do yep. I the yep. <clears throat> he goes, uh, maybe the, maybe we have the experience we can have, we can be, uh, there waiting for them when they get on the other side of that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we do. And that, and that's a, and that's a good point too. And I'm glad that you answered it that way too, because, you know, one of the things that <clears> I have <throat> talked about extensively is a lot of times as coaches, you know, and a lot of times as parents, a lot of times as adult men, we have a tendency to do this the way we've been brought up is we're fixers. We want to, we want to experience and fix it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But an important part of the journey, accepting people we're at in the journey is allowing somebody to stumble so that they can get stronger too. And that's sometimes hard for us to watch. So, so talk even more about that too, from like, not just, cause I'm sure that a lot of people are going to want you on stage for, you know, events that might be for parents, might be for kids. And so as kids are growing too, one of the most important things is to realize it's okay to make mistakes, fail quickly and get back up. Sometimes you lose. That's okay. That's part of the journey. Um, failure is, is not a stamp. It's not, I am a failure. It's I, in the moment failed as an opportunity for me to grow and learn from it. So talk about that. Like, you know, even parenting Jackson, even coaching people, you know, from stage, how can you share the example, be the light, but also encourage people to say, Hey, if you make the same mistake, you, you're not an idiot. You're not stupid. You're not foolish because you did it. Just make sure you move through that quickly. Like, mm -hmm. like what, what do we say to everybody? Cause, cause half of me wants to be the fixer. <laughs> half of me wants to just say, I got you and I see you and I understand that you're where you're at in the journey and I must support it. Yeah, I think it's a great point you bring up, Scott. And I think it's about perspective. You know, we talk about perspective here on the show. We talked about it in our group coaching program. It was like when you just shift your perspective just a little bit to say that the mistakes and the failures aren't bad. You know, we're taught as kids, like if you make a mistake, if you make a fail, you're bad. Like how about if we shift our perspective and say, you know what? A quote unquote mistake or a failure is actually a stepping stone to learning how to do something differently. You know, we know the story about Thomas Edison. How many different times did it take him to, to realize how to make a light bulb? 
a thousand times. Now, most people are sitting there going, what are you doing? That's fucking stupid. That's fucking stupid. Don't quit doing it. He's like, nope. That's another time I don't know how to, that's another time I know that's the way not to do it. And so I think if we shift our perspective and sit there and say, you know what? It's not a mistake. It's not a failure. It's an opportunity for me to grow and to advance and to step outside of that comfort zone because our reptilian brain, I was just listening to a conversation yesterday about our reptilian brain, the neocortex, and I can't remember all the different aspects of it, but you know, we're wired for safety. We're wired for, for, for security and everything else. And that holds us back. We're in a, we're in a state of the world right now where we can get everything that we want. We're not in that state anymore. So we have to push ourselves to expand outside of those comfort zones to be able to sit there and say, listen, I'm going to go take that risk. I'm going to go take that chance. I'm going to go fly and leap because at the end of the day, our life is going to go by so much faster if we sit there and, 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 and accept complacency and mediocrity and everything else that we have to shift our perspective and say, listen, you know, if I make a mistake or if I have a failure, or if I have a setback, that setback is Les Brown says that setback is a setup for a comeback. And so I think that when we have to shift our perspective and sit there and say, again, going back to life is happening for us and not to us, we can start to develop that resiliency. But I think the most important part of that, Scott, is who we surround ourselves with. You know, we think about the, you know, we've heard, we've heard the different story about, you know, I think it's the monkeys. I can't remember. I've heard yeah, different stories monkeys. about this. Yeah. You get a barrel of monkeys and they're all trying to climb out, but they're, what are they doing? They're trying to pull each other down. You have to get around yourself that people will pull yourself up and push yourself up. You talk about it so eloquently in the, in the group coaching program, the team, somebody you trust, somebody who empowers you, somebody who holds Probably. you accountable and somebody's your mentor. You know, when you have a team of people around you that sit there and say, Hey, Chris, um, I might ask you to shift your perspective on that. As opposed to somebody going, that's stupid. You shouldn't fucking do that. That's crazy because that puts that person out of their comfort zone. When you surround yourself with people who are brighter and smarter than yourself, when you make that investment, when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone to ask to be pushed and to be told the truth, it's incredible what it is that you can achieve. I mean, I'm sitting here and as I'm writing my story, I'm like, fuck, I was a seventh grade fucking hopeless dropout, told I was stupid, told I was a piece of shit. And then ultimately one guy sat there and said, Christopher, you're only limited by the parameters of your own mind. Remind me to switch these fucking headphones. Uh, um, he says, Christopher, you're only limited by the parameters of your own mind. And said, have you thought about going back to school? And I'm like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? I'm stupid. You know, I barely got by in school before. I was bullied. I was beaten. I'm like, you know, I'm working three jobs right now. What do you, do you obviously have a bigger hope about myself than I do? But because I believed in his belief about me and because I wanted to continue dating his daughter who ultimately became my first wife, I was like, okay, what do I got to do? He's like, Go get this thing called a GED. I'm like, a GED? Okay, what's that? And he goes, it's a general equivalency diploma. And I was like, all right, um, sure, no problem, dude. And I started calling back before the internet. I started calling schools. I'm like, okay, do you guys have this thing called a GED program? And a bunch of them people said no. And then all of a sudden one school said, yeah, I think you need to call Wintersburg. They have a, they have a school. It was Westminster, California. And I went there and I was like scared to death scared to death because I'm like, okay, here, I'm going to fail. My perspective, my opinion, my belief was that I was going to fail. And I went in there, I took the test and I was shocked as shit. They're like, no, you're actually pretty close to graduating high school. I'm like, what? I was doing shitty in the seventh grade. You're talking about that. I can graduate high school. And like, yeah, you need probably, you know, three or four months of classes, the, uh, um, at home classes or whatever the fuck they call them. I can't remember continuation classes and you can get your GED. I was surprised and I sat there and I did all their coursework and everything else. And then three months later, I think I took the test, got my GED. I was all, yay, I got my GED. And I went back and I showed him, I'm like, there, buddy, I can continue dating your daughter. And he's like, have you thought about college? I'm like, are you fucking, what do you want from me, dude? What do you want from me? I mean, college, are you fucking kidding me? And so as we know, as the story goes, I went to college. I walked into Golden West Community College that day. 
a summer of 1989, I think it was. And from that point on, I spent 12 years in school and got my, my master's degree. You know, so I think it's about shifting our perspectives, shifting our opinions and our beliefs about ourselves, believing what other people think of us and what our opportunities are and getting rid of the people that are toxic in our life that try to hold us back because of their own limiting beliefs. They want to sit in that shit. But for all of us that are watching the show and listening to this, I implore you to sit there and think about things differently because you are capable. You are stronger than you ever possibly think you can be. We've heard story after story on this show, in our own lives, what the resiliency that we have the capability for. Continue to rise above, continue to push, continue to find out what your best is. And I promise you, you will be able to achieve whatever it is you put your mind to. I know that I'm on that journey too. It's not always easy. People are like, oh, Chris, it's hard. Yes, it's fucking hard. But at the end of the day, it is so worth it. Hell yeah, it is. So one of the things that I'm, you know, you and I have talked extensively about is manifestation. And one of the best ways just to manifest is in the present moment, the I am statement. And so listen, when you, when you're saying back then, like I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm this, I mean, you, you can't get out of the way of that period. Like once yeah. you define that you're, you're that, and that's the same person you were talking about Henry Ford. I can, or I can't it's reality. And, and I beat this stuff down when you attach to a statement. When you attach to a belief, when you attach to anything, you become it. When you focus on something, whether good or bad, it becomes the reality. Because <clears throat> I was just talking to my my class, and um, every semester we talk about different plans for success. You know, when we're creating our business plan and specific plans that you would share with an investor. And one of the plans that supposedly an important requirement is a contingency plan. And I tell them point blank, I say contingency plans are bullshit. And I and I say, and they're like, yeah, but like what, I go, this is what you want to do. You want to have an amazingly effective team because even a contingency plan can't possibly predict COVID, can't possibly predict 9-11, can't possibly predict all these things that can be an impact beyond your wildest imagination. But if you have a team that's responsive and believes in themselves and is not attached to an idea, they'll be malleable, malleable and very quick to shift gears. So let's talk about what people can do to detach from old I, I am statements and replace them with new ones. And I'll, I'll give you one of the examples that I always share with people too. And then I, if I am to say, I am angry, the second I've said, I am angry, then I'm always angry. I am angry. Mm -hmm. But if I say I'm experiencing anger in this present moment, then I can detach from it. Talk about stuff like that, that will empower, you know, your audiences, your coaching clients to truly shift the I am and shift that inner critic because everyone needs that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, that's, that's a tough question to honestly answer because when you think about it, that's what our default mode is. When you think about default mode or our aware mode, and Sally talks about this, you know, if we're on autopilot or actually being aware of what it is that we're doing, if we sit there and say, I am angry or I am this, then our reticular activation system will sit there and go, okay, let me go find more of that. An example is if I tell everybody who's watching this, look around your room and tell me everything that's green. I mean, I give her... Okay, that's green, that's green, that's green, that's green, that's green. Okay, what was blue? Well, Chris, you were telling me to find what was green, not what was blue, because that's what we were focusing on. So I think to your point, Scott, it's a very important thing. What we say to ourselves is paramount. So I think what you said is beautiful. I am experiencing this. And I think that uh, Michael Singer in his books, um, The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, actually said them right this time, um, mm -hmm. two amazing books, because I always fuck them up. Those two books talks about the fact, and you say this eloquently as well, like we're sitting here and we think we're a part of the minutia. We think we're the, the chaos and everything else is right here. But he sits there and he invites us to go, what if you were just observing it? 
What if you were not this human experience having this situation? And you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. That's okay. What if I'm not tied to that? What if that's not me? What if I choose to sit there and disassociate myself with that and choose to move past that? And I think that's an important delineation that we can tell people today. So that when we sit there and go from the seat of the observer, well, that's interesting. I'm experiencing a moment of anger. What is that tied to? What am I making that to mean about me? And you know, Scott, I'm a fan about questions. Like what different questions can we ask about ourselves to sit there and identify where it is that we're coming from? Because we're often looking at the symptom of a situation rather than the root cause of a situation. So if I'm sitting there going, okay, something just happened. A guy cut me off and I'm all pissed off. And I'm sitting there, go oh, fucking you motherfucker, blah, blah, blah. And then I go to work and everybody's like, hey, Chris. I'm like, ah, fuck, people are assholes. And everybody goes, man, I don't want to hang around Chris today. Don't ask Chris to go to lunch today. And I'm like, where's everybody at? Where are we, where are we going to lunch? Okay, what the, what the fuck's wrong? More people, my reticular activation system is going on and going, wow, people are assholes. But I think it's important for us to sit there and say, what am I making this to mean about me? And I've done this so many times because you know when I'm like, I'm not a road rage, huge guy, but things, when I get behind the wheel of a car, I'm like, start taking things personal. I'm like, what if that person, if I could shift my perspective and say, what if that person's in a hurry? What if that person just found out that his daughter was in an accident and is rushing and it needs to cut in front of me right now? Why am I taking this personal? So it goes back to that ego. It goes back to shifting our perspectives and our dynamics to sit there and say, you know what? Maybe it's not all about me. Maybe why do I need to be taking this all defensive? Because again, it goes back to that conditioning period when we're zero to five, and we're taught what's right and what's wrong. We're taught, okay, what can I do to seek that approval and that validation? That person just cut me off. So I'm going to take that personal. It had nothing to do with us. And if we can sit there and wipe that lens, as you say, and be able to sit there and go, that wasn't about me. Hey, wow, it's a beautiful day outside. Hey, I'm looking forward to going to work. I might have some challenges today at work, but I'm looking forward to those because they're going to grow me. But so often times we stay in that victim mindset that holds us back and continues that perpetual cycle of insanity until one day something breaks and it causes us to go, oh, and I've seen it so many times, Scott, people go through this egoic life and all of a sudden they, they power and, and celebrity status and everything else, then they get cancer. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. their awareness changes and they realize it wasn't all about them, but now it is. So you said something and, you, and you're on point with the way the focus that happens that it's so think of this, we're always talking about, you know, you and I are listening more closely and clearing that conduit to source God, creator universe. And so we're going to remove the distortions and you clear that conduit to source. Now you gain more clarity. So when your mom was saying, Hey, you know, four years old, here I am, whatever. It's almost like she cleared it enough to recognize this is where the problems stemmed from, but then she didn't listen for the answers and the, the solutions. And so yeah. One of the things you and I have discussed extensively, and I want to get your feedback on this too, is so we're clearing that <clears throat> conduit to source so that we can get more deeply connected to whether we call it God, creator, universe. Um, I always like to look more inward than outward. So I feel like when we look outward, we forget our power and all that. The thing that I think we often forget is source is all of us. So we can also find source in others. There's a day where I'm down and you send a text and it's the perfect time or vice versa or Ron or, you know, anybody else or Jacqueline or, or um, you know, anybody that's like, listen or whatever. Somebody says the right thing at the right time. And because we're all clearing the conduit to source together as we awaken. What can you tell people, you know, some of the ways that they can do that? Because I don't think there's a, as much of a differentiation as we, we say. We're always like, oh, that person cut me off there and ass. Well, hold on a second. And and. Preaching the choir, I do it too. 
what if that person was teaching me the patience that I just asked source to, to said, I need, I need more patience. I'm not being patient. And then this person literally representing source cuts us off to go, there's your lesson. And you're like, mother. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, shit, I just called God universe creator an asshole. And that talk about that because we've had this conversation before. I feel like, I feel like if we could just see all of us as source, that the whole world changes. And, you know, I always say extend your sense of self, you know, but talk about that. Like, what can you share with coaching clients about that idea? Um, what can we do? Because we're, we're all failures, at least in the moment from time to time, me oftentimes. That's why I don't drive as much. I'm yelling, <laughs> at, I'm yelling at God all day long. Yeah. No, I mean, I, well, actually it's funny is I don't, I don't drive that much with my wife, but when I, when she drives, I actually talk to God more than probably I do when I drive. Um, <laughs> So I think, I think that's an excellent, excellent question, Scott. And I think it's about each and every experience that we have, we can ask ourselves, what am I supposed to be learning from this? Mm. What am I supposed to be learning from this? And I think so many times we're like, I'm so tired of learning. And I think I talked about it before the Joseph Campbell story, the hero's journey. We're always going to be learning ladies and gentlemen. And I think it's important for us to sit there and realize and recognize that when we're in those situations that we're frustrated and, we're, and things aren't going to our expectations, then number one, we can sit there and ask ourselves, how can I adjust my expectations? So I'll give you an example. Think about, you know, back about getting behind the wheel of a car. Now, when I get behind the wheel of a car, I'm like thinking, okay, Chris, not everybody's going to use their turn directional. People are going to be looking at their phone. What can you do, Chris, to be able to mellow out and not care so much about trying to make everybody else follow your pattern of what you think is right. Okay. I'm going to give people grace. They might be looking at a text message from their work. They're, they're stressed about something that's going on at work. You know, it doesn't make it right. But as long as I can have a little bit more of empathy and forgiveness and sit there and say, okay, what can I learn from this experience? Then I don't have to distance myself from an egoic thing going, that's wrong. You're an asshole. I'm going to take offense to that. I'm going to try to teach you a lesson. I'm going to flip you up. We're not going to teach anybody a lesson in those particular moments, but what we're going to do is we're going to frustrate ourselves. And we're also going to teach poor habits to the people that might be in the car with us. Like my son, like I'm very careful when I'm in the car with him, as much as I want to lash out and be like, you mother, I'm like, what am I teaching him? So we have to think about the bigger purpose. And I think we have to sit there and have empathy and compassion for what other people are going through. But I think ultimately it goes back to what I said before, what can I learn from this experience? If I'm taking issue with this and I'm getting frustrated and my blood pressure is getting higher, why am I making this to mean something more than it possibly is? And how can I see this from somebody else's perspective and sit there and say, you know what? It's not all about me. Like when we were in Italy, God's honest truth. I was like, I'm thankful here in California that, I mean, one of my big pet peeves, and we do this every day, we walk our son to school and there's a crosswalk that literally probably about, I think about the statistics on this, probably three out of every 10 times we walk through the crosswalk, some motherfucker wants to go through the crosswalk right in front of us. And I lose my shit. And I'm like, you fucking dick. It's like 20 seconds. Can you let me and my family get across the crosswalk? And so when I was in Italy, they don't, you, you, they don't give a shit if you're going through the crosswalk or not. You're, you, you have to get, a, it's like Frogger. You have to get across. So when I was in Italy, I'm like, I'm going to be more grateful when I'm in California because they actually take a little bit more care and concern before you try to get through the crosswalk before they try to kill you. But at the same time, I'm trying to think, what is that person going through that they have, they don't even have 20 seconds to try to think that they can have a moment to spare before they can get through the crosswalk. So for me, it's about putting myself in that person's perspective and that person's shoes to be able to empathy for them and sit there and ask myself, why am I taking, again, why am I taking this personally? And I think it's another aspect of what can I do for the greater good 
to educate people. So maybe I can go on the Nextdoor app and sit there and say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, when people are walking through the crosswalk, you might want to remember that it's legally the law that from the point they step on the off the curb to the point they get on the other curb, you are legally obligated to let them get across the crosswalk. Maybe I could do something like that. How can I be a part of the solution instead of just flipping them off and throwing dog shit at them? How can I be a part of that solution? Maybe I can sit there and hold a sign. By the way, you got to let me go through the crosswalk. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a weird example, but at the same time, it's like, what can we do to be a part of the solution rather than being part of the part of, part of the problem? Okay, I haven't played devil's advocate yet. I'm going to play devil's advocate because we're getting to the end here. So there's one thing I want to share because it's been on my mind lately too. So I'm I'm a big fan of not being part of the problem. But then you go listen to you know some of the most famous spiritual leaders or um, godly figures in existence. You know Jesus flipping tables. Even you know Buddha condones violence in a in a certain certain time. Um, there, there's there's a time and a place to teach a lesson. What I'm not clear on is when is that time and the place? Because think of any time we have a massive shakeup, there's always a, and the, and the shakeup has to be a, in a certain light, like 9-11. Everyone comes together after we learn some lessons. Yep. Now, do we forget them too quickly? Oftentimes we do, but there's a time and a place for the lesson. And so I've been struggling with this because I'll sit here and I'm, I'm sure that this is absolutely wrong. There's no way this should be happening. And then I'm like, what is this really going to do? Is this person going to listen? So I do this quick math in my head and I say yes or no. So I think I told you this one. I'll give you an example where I kind of just said, this is where people are going to learn a lesson, whether you like it or not. You can tell me some of yours. But we were playing basketball at Lifetime Fitness <clears throat> and the score was 10 to 10. And we play one and two point baskets to 12. So a kid on our hip team hits a game winning shot, hits a two pointer. And one kid on their team goes, his foot was on the line. It was only one point. And everyone's like on their team swears it was on, it was on the line. And we weren't sure, but we're like, all right, if you all say it, it must be true. We go down the other end of the court. And all of a sudden, this kid comes running up. He goes, that is not true. And he holds up a camera and makes us all watch it. He was videotaping his friend playing basketball. It was right on the line. You could see it wasn't. Five kids lied and swore that it was that so they could stay in the court. I walked up to each kid and just I couldn't help it. I go you are a liar and i looked in each kid's eyes i you are i go how do you feel like are you that you that lame that you have to seriously lie to win about just think about yourself and i went to each kid so i i have less friends at lifetime fitness and i did this a few weeks ago <laughs> but i just felt like in that point i'm like this is a problem in society that you'll say anything to get what's yours and that was my flip the tables in the temple moment and i don't know if it's right or wrong i love listening when people say you shouldn't have done that you come here every week or is that exactly why I should have done that? When is the time, Chris? Like, when do you, when do you say it? Because, because sometimes I'm like, whoa, like that's like, if you're doing that, what are you doing in the business world? Like what, how's that going into Austin, my city? Like, are there some kids sports programs where you're teaching your kid to cheat? Are, are you a salesperson who's lying and cheating? And that's going to like, I don't know where's the point. What would you tell an audience when and where do you say today's your lesson? And what does that look like? Because I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I never get good answers on this. I have good conversations and I go both ways where just let what will happen, happen, be the light. And then sometimes I'm like, no, I'm going to set an example. Well, I think to your point, Scott, I think that's a beautiful question. I, and I don't have a great answer for it, but I think at some point, at some point we have to lose our shit. We have to get to that point where we're like, like you and I are both like, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. And I, I know the right thing to think. And I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm going to go back on this based on this book and I'm going to do this. But sometimes you just got to lose your shit and just be like, what the fuck? 
Like, seriously, what the fuck are you doing? You're full of shit. You're, I mean, we have to lose yes. our shit to be able to no. sit there and go to get through to people because sometimes we can sit there and go, well, have you thought about this? Are you right or wrong? Are you going from ego space? You know, people are not going to be receptive to that, but they're going to be receptive. You're like, are you fucking lying? Are you being a fucking dumbass right now? Yeah. And I've had to do that. Like, literally, like, get to people's faces. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And sometimes it takes that energy, that passion, that straightforwardness to connect with somebody for them to go, oh. Oh, now I get it. You know, we can sit there and, and I do this. I'm like, I will come from the place. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And so sometimes you like fucking snap, then I'll, then they get it. Yeah. Because then it reminds them of their childhood. When did they get it when they were a kid? When their parents lost their shit. Like Barbara and I were just talking about the other day. Like sometimes we have to get to Jackson. Like, we say, Jax, if you think about it, they're going to, Jax, you're going to lose your fucking iPad tomorrow. <gasps> it takes that shocking awareness for sometimes for us to get real with people. And sometimes that's okay. You know, sometimes we have to lose our mind and lose our opportunities to sit there and get to that connection point for somebody to really get it because they're so deep seated in their own beliefs. They're just like, no, no, this is my way. This, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And all of a sudden you went, fuck you. It didn't happen. And so maybe from that point forward, they're gonna be like, the next time they sit there and say, yeah, that was on the line. They're going to go, oh, Scott, that guy, uh, maybe no, what does anybody have any video? Maybe that was the one point in your life where you sat there and you caused them to think, Maybe I'm not just going to defend my friends without actual evidential proof. So, I, you know, it's interesting. That was what I was hoping would happen. And uh, two of the kids who still play there now will say stuff like, oh, like they, they spin it. They'll literally be the wise ass and call me Mr. Honesty or something like thinking they're <laughs> funny. And so I'm like, now I'm at the point where there's my 20 year old self like thinks, should I just punch him in the face or should I just <laughs> laugh at it? And so now I default to love and I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. And I just walk away. But I'm like, at this point, you're reaching because you know who you really are. But it's 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 actually again, I no perfect answer. Mm -hmm. Now that 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 one's a tough one. I mean, I think we have to go from our heart from that one. experience, and I think we just have to go with whatever our instinct tells us in that particular point. Yeah, and then also I think with wisdom comes a little more calmness and and age because I wouldn't have done that at 20. I would have been a little meaner. Now I'm a little. <laughs> oh, so was I. So would I have. John says here, silence is the Thank greatest you. weapon that allows. Others, uh, the karmic balance to be applied. Absolutely. Uh, Nelly says here, I agree, Chris. Some people don't get the message that you're serious about what you're telling them. And hey, if they don't do it, some someone else with lesser intentions will do it to them. It's best you're, I got to put my glasses on, when you're the one who helps them get real. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just really have to do that. So, yeah. I mean, Scott, this has been a great conversation tonight. Thank you for asking me some powerful questions. Thank you. I'm going to put this back on you in a couple of weeks. So we're going we're gonna to dig deeper into Scott Goyette. So thank you guys for checking us out. Appreciate you guys for all being here. We're going to go back here and comment on these comments. We appreciate all of you guys being here, Robert and Jock and Nelly yeah. and Ron in the house and Randy Cooper in the house, all you beautiful people. Don't forget to go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com www.theunfilteredexperience.com. Go check us out, become a part of the Facebook community and join us there and let us know what topics, what subjects, what guests you guys want us to have here on the show. I'm losing my voice already. Um, I've been <laughs> talking all day. Um, what, we, what, what you guys want for us. We appreciate you guys for being here. Of course, always go check out the uh, the show. Oops, I'm trying to see what, who is our guest next week, Scott. Do you remember who our guest is next week? You know what? Um, my brain is actually barely hanging on for dear life. So Your brain is <laughs> I don't know. On for dear life. Yeah. What do we have for next week? So next week, um, Giselle Taraba. Oh, you sweet. Giselle, she's gonna be great. Yeah, she's yeah. friends with um with um 
Susan Marie. Susan Marie, thank you. Thank you. Like I said, I, I was I was barely here mentally. I gave you everything I had. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So uh yeah, Giselle's gonna be here next week. And what is she gonna talk about? So um I'm assuming so her <clears throat> and her husband have a, an organization. She they're very similar to Kim and I, like they're trying to you know, take their growth journeys and they do both do slightly different things, but they're both coaches and they do retreats and do a lot of the same kind of stuff Kim and I do. Um, but it's all about looking in and, and spiritual advancement and just being present. So she's, she's amazing. Um, she interviewed me for her show, but hers are recorded and they play like once a month. So I don't even think it mine's been on yet either. Maybe it'll be on this month. We'll just be all over the place together. And you got to get on her show too. She's great. Super, super great lady. Nice. Nice. I look forward to it. Mm -hmm. Look forward to it. So hey, listen, guys. Um, Nelly says here, see you all, see all, see y'all, alligators. All much love, respect to all <laughs> alligators. I'm not in Texas, man. I'm in Southern California. We don't have alligators out here, except for the people who drive on the freeways. Back to that one again. Um, so thank you guys for all being here. Go out there and have a brilliant weekend. Go out there and make your moments so absolutely fantastically spectacular. Enjoy the people you're with. Be grateful for every single thing that you get to have, whether it's a problem, whether it's an opportunity, whatever it might be. Go out there and enjoy these things. Life is short. Me and Scott are here every single week to inspire you guys to think outside your, your comfort zone. Think out spot, think outside your, your parameters of everything else that you built up in your life. That's what this conversation was tonight. Scott, you've asked great, great questions tonight, man. I appreciate you. I love you. And uh, we'll be back here again next week, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we love you guys. Go out there and have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time on Peace. the Experience.